Welcome to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast with Jacob Ayers, providing actionable content to help you along your journey to financial freedom through real estate investing. As the premier asset class, real estate has helped ordinary people just like you amass fortunes. The benefits of passive income from real estate investing will allow you to live a life you want. And now your host, entrepreneur, real estate investor, and apartment deal syndicator, Jacob Ayers. to Wealth and Freedom Podcast, episode 368. Hey, welcome back. I'm your host, Jacob Ayers. This week's guest is Chris Larson, founder and managing partner of Next Level Income. Chris has been investing in and managing real estate for over 20 years. While still a college student, he bought his very first rental property at age 21. From there, Chris expanded into development, private lending, buying distressed debt, as well as commercial offices, and ultimately multifamily syndication. Chris began syndicating deals in 2016 and has raised more than $15 million and is actively involved in over $150 million of real estate acquisitions. Chris is passionate about helping other investors become financially independent. So with that, welcome to the show, Chris. Thanks, Jacob. I appreciate it. And yeah, I must have given you our old intro here. We're about 50% higher on all those numbers at this point. It's oh, been a fun good. Year. Well, let's yeah. talk about that growth. But before we get into yeah. that, kind of tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, your background, all of that good stuff. Yeah, well, I appreciate the opportunity to be on the show with your listeners here, Jacob. If anybody listens today and they want to learn more, you can get a free copy of my book at nextlevelincome.com. You just click on the book link. And I'll, I'll send you a copy. And it talks more about my story. As you mentioned, I started at age 21. And you know, really, the reason I got into real estate was because I was racing my bicycle. I started racing at age 14, and I raced into college. Between my freshman and sophomore year of college, my training partner, my best friend, my roommate, he died of a massive brain hemorrhage. And it kind of put me on my back feet. I continued to race for another year. I was a Category 1 cyclist. And if anybody's not familiar with cycling, you start as a Cat 5, you progress your way up to a 1. And once you're a 1, you're essentially a professional. You race with the pros and you can take out a professional license. So I was a category one. I was the most successful I'd been. I was an all-American cyclist that year, top five in the country, but I realized I wasn't happy. I, you know, as a professional cyclist, you don't make a lot of money. So I always had kind of an entrepreneurial streak that dated back to when I was younger. I had a paper route. I worked and uh, took out, you know, managed the local beach that we had. I sold wrapping paper door to door and in college, I sold lofts. So I'd make you know sometimes ten thousand dollars the weekend before college started, which is pretty good for you know a junior yeah. in college. <laughs> I also started day trading. So when my friend died and I made this choice to quit racing, I still had this desire for financial freedom, but it was driven, Jacob, by the desire to really make the most out of my life. And I write in my book and I tell people I felt like I had the responsibility to live two lives, like the life that my friend Chris didn't have anymore. As well as my own life. And through that drive, through that desire for freedom and meaning, I came upon real estate as a pathway towards investment. I invest in the stock market, but I didn't like the feeling of laying there at 3 a.m. and worrying about the volatility that we were seeing in the late 90s in the market, where you could make a ton of money, but you could also rapidly lose it. And I bought my first property at 21, bought my second one about a year later, built a portfolio of single family rentals, and 
over a period of time, as I kind of progressed, I realized that there were better ways to do it and ultimately started investing in multifamily back in 2013, which is where we focus mostly today. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I could see how the natural progression of a paper route, possibly bicycling (laughs) papers around the town to a natural born cyclist could happen. But talk about that journey of, you know, you had that entrepreneurial spirit. You decided to buy a single family home while in college. Why buy a single family house in college? Why real estate? Talk about that transition. Yeah. So I'm a numbers guy. I went to school for engineering and I still talk about, you know, how I had a spreadsheet and stack ranked cities, which is how we ended up in Asheville, North Carolina which it's the middle of the winter here. It's a beautiful snowy day. I'm going to be taking my boys skiing here this afternoon after we wrap up this podcast, which is, you know, it's come to fruition after 15 years when I first sat down and looked at those numbers. And the same thing happened when I looked at the risk to reward ratio of investments when I was, you know, in my early twenties, I thought the stock market, I still think it's a great place to create wealth, but I wanted more control. Mm -hmm. And my parents were savers, my mother, my stepfather, Another thing I talk about in my book is losing my father at a young age, at age five, but I was lucky enough to have a stepfather who I grew up with, and he taught me strong work ethic. He taught me you know, swing a hammer, shovel shingles, you know, work on the rentals that they had. They had a few rentals, so I knew that it was a way towards wealth, but they really didn't teach me you know, the wealth habits that we teach today at Next Level Income. So I started exploring these different ways and these different opportunities. And what I really liked about real estate, Jacob, was the ability to leverage. I I got my first rental with less than $3,000 and control. So I had the ability to negotiate a price on a home that was lower than the market price or had the ability to create value in that. And those options are limited in single family. So those same things I liked, I really love in multifamily where we have the ability to truly create real value and real control in terms of appreciation. Now, you've kind of have named your company Next Level Income. That means something to you. So what does that mean to you exactly? Yeah. One of the things I like about the name is that wherever you are, there's always a level above. And from sporting and cycling, I've learned that no matter how good you are, there's always somebody better. You know, sometimes, <laughs> unfortunately, those people that are better than you, they may be using untoward methods and that sort of thing. But regardless, you know, we all have the ability to take our lives to the next level. And that's what Next Level Income is all about. It's about moving from active income to passive income. And that's really, if you said, what does it mean? Next Level Income is passive income that allows you to live truly the life of your dreams. So your first level is buying that single family home. You thought, hey, this thing is pretty cool. It works. I get a rent check every month. What was your next level from there? Yeah, so it was scaling. So this, you know, scaling from you know one property that brought in maybe about a, th- a little less than $1,000 a month. My initial goal, Jacob, was having a portfolio that brought in $10,000 net after expenses and before debt service. Per month? Per month, yep. Okay. Yeah. And so that can take a while to achieve, especially in single family yeah. homes, right? You start doing the math. You're an engineer. Yeah. I'm an engineer. So we break out our spreadsheets, right? And you're like, $150, $200 a month in cash flow. How many houses is that? How fast yeah. can I buy those? What am I limited by? And you may have built out this projection like I know you did. And you're like, wow, it's going to take 40 houses and that's going to take 22 years at saving $6,000 a year, you know, whatever it boils down to. So how did you kind of speed that process up or what did that process look like for you? Yeah. So I didn't really have a very sophisticated method initially. I actually just wanted to buy enough properties so that I had 10,000 coming in after expenses before I paid the mortgages. And then I thought, hey, I'm going to make enough money to pay the mortgages off. 
So that's what I did. I had over $10,000 a month coming in after I paid you know, management fees, expenses. And then I just started paying off the mortgages one by one. So I went out, I entered the medical device field, which I love. I talk about in my book how I love the demographics. And that's what I love about multifamily as well. So demographics are going to drive different industries. Demographics drove medical device. I entered that in 2003. I started with Pfizer Pharmaceuticals, which is kind of kind of a little progression into the medical device space. <laughs> and you know, I was my goal was to make you know a high or a good strong six figure income, so I could save half of what I was making and devote that to paying off my mortgages. So that plan was working great till I was about 32, 33 years old. And as I kind of took a step back, I'm like, okay, like I'm paying these mortgages off. The cash flow is increasing, but you know what I found? I found my return on my equity in my properties was about seven percent. And then for somebody that was accredited at the time, I was paying tax on that seven percent. I was getting a net four percent return on my equity, and I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm like, I have an MBA in finance, and I'm settling on a four percent return on equity, and that's what really caused me to look at other options out there. And I call it the holy grail because I felt like I found the holy grail when I came upon multifamily real estate. And that's why the subtitle of my book is Using the Holy Grail of Real Estate to Achieve Financial Independence. Talk about that calculation you just mentioned, your return on equity and how you came to that and why it was important to you. That is an awesome question. So if you're listening, I have a question for you. What's the return on equity, on your equity in your property? I've always been told it was 0%. It's 0%. That's a great answer. So you know, I looked at, I basically said, all right, you know, a lot of people say, hey, I put $10,000 down or $100,000 down on a property. And let's say you put $10,000 down and you're making you know, 250 bucks a month. That's $3,000 a year. That's a 30% return. Well, if you have $100,000 of equity in your property, that return is going to go down to 3%, right? So it's a different way to look at it. But you're right. Like If you have equity that's building in your property, unless you pull money out or re-leverage that property, that equity is not doing anything for you. So again, if you're listening, think about equity that you have. It's like lazy equity, right? It's sitting in your property, you know, it's sitting in a bank account, you know, is an emergency fund. And we can talk about, you know, what we use for our emergency fund, Jacob. I know before the show we were talking a little bit about, you know, high cash value life insurance and the strategy we use. But I'm always looking for ways to have my money working fully for me, either in two places at once or leveraging that. And what convinced me to move into multifamily was the ability to scale. Anybody that's got 100 single-family houses will tell you, I don't like having 100 single-family houses. It's a pain in the butt. So you know, I wanted a strategy that I could go from you know, one apartment complex to 10 and not really have to work any harder. That's true freedom. That's true scalability. Let's talk about that emergency fund and Chris and how you use yeah. it in your uh, kind of personal life and financial life. Yeah. So our goal at Next Level Income is to help people through education, and opportunities achieve financial independence. And what I've done is I've taken my personal experience and I've tried to convey that through our guests that are on the podcast, through the blog posts that we write to help shortcut the path for other people. So when my first son was born, actually my first son was not born, my wife was pregnant. I thought I got to set him up for success. So I thought, how are we going to have resources for college? And I started looking into different opportunities, 529 plans, and what I, I'm not a huge fan of qualified plans, Jacob, because basically they hold your money hostage. The government tells you what you can and can't do with your money. 
when you can get it and what you can use it for. And when I learned about 529 plans, I thought, I don't want that. I don't want like another 401k that's for my son or now my sons you know, for education. And what I settled on was opening a high cash value life insurance policy. We call, some people call it bank on yourself. Some people call it infinite banking. We have our own strategy and concept that we talk about on our website. And you click on the banking link, you can get a white paper and you can watch a video on there. But what I decided to do was basically overfund the life insurance policy. And what that does is it lowers the commission rate. So you have your fees are lower, your expense ratio is lower. It's typically less than 1% over the life of the policy. I challenge anybody that works with a financial advisor to beat that number. And it allowed us to have cash value that not only provided a tremendous insurance benefit if something happened to me. And again, losing a father at five years old, I knew that you know life is finite. Like it's yeah. we're not invincible. But then the cool thing is we've been able to take that money, take it out, put it back into the policies over time. This is why I say you can use it two places at once. It allows us to use it as an emergency fund. We get a return on that investment through the dividends. We can pull it out for college. We can pull it out for retirement. And my favorite has been pulling it out to use for our personal real estate syndications that we've done, and then basically recycle that money in and keep that money going, like I say, in in two places at once. Now, Chris, I'm admittedly no expert on this infinite banking concept using this high cash value insurance policy, but we've had some great guests on the show that have explained it. And it's taken me personally several times to kind of digest those interviews and go back and re-listen to them just to start to wrap my head around it. I'm just now getting to that point. So kind of break that down a little bit more finite and how it exactly works. So you take out this insurance policy. It's a whole life insurance policy. Is that right? That's right. Which that scares some people. They're going to be like, whole life's a bad investment. So real quickly, do you know or can you tell us the difference in term life insurance versus whole life insurance? Yeah. So I think the best way to think about it. So if you're familiar with real estate, it's like if you have a home, you pay down that mortgage over time, right? If you own the home, if you have a mortgage, that's like a whole life insurance policy. A whole life insurance policy, you know, say you have a, I don't know, $150,000 house, your mortgage is $1,000 a month. When it first starts out, you're paying a lot of interest and a little bit of principal, but then over time, you're paying a lot of principal and a little bit of interest. And what do you have in that home? You have equity that we were just talking about. You can pull that equity out and you can use it for other things. Same thing. Let's say you have a million dollar life insurance policy, and I'm using round numbers, so don't quote me on this, yeah. but let's say you have a million dollar policy and your payment's $1,000 a month. That first year, a lot of that is going to go towards fees and the expenses of setting up that policy kind of like setting up a business. But over time, after about five to seven years of a properly structured policy, and if you're listening, you have to work with a specific agent that understands this concept. Not everybody can do this. Not every company can do this. That's why we've set up specific partnerships and structures to help people do this. But if you do it right, what happens is after five to seven years, basically the expenses are paid and you are supercharging that policy with cash value for the rest of the policy. Term is like renting. So you say, hey, it's cheaper to rent initially. And typically, renting is about 30% cheaper than owning a home. But over time, that cost goes up. So as you get older, as time goes on, renting costs more than if you bought the house, say, 10 or 20 years prior. And eventually, it costs so much more to own a term policy. By the time that whole life policy would be paid up and you would say have a million dollars of cash value, you couldn't even afford a term policy at that point because the way term 
is if it's all based on numbers. And I talked about you know my love of numbers, but at some point, the insurance company says there's such a high chance of you dying this year, Jacob, that we're going to charge you an exorbitant amount of money. It just doesn't make any sense. Wow. I'm so glad I asked you that question, Chris, because I've never had it explained like that. That's something I can really wrap my head around and understand. So really powerful information there. Now, just for clarification, you have decided to use this concept with the whole life policy. So you fund it every month and eventually you kind of build up an equity, if you will, in this policy. Then you're able to go out and draw against that equity and go on vacation or invest it or whatever you'd like. Is that right? Uh, kind of. I wouldn't say go on vacation. <laughs> well, that <laughs> but, might be no, you're, yeah, advised you're, way to do it. Yeah. But, yeah. but no, no. I was kind of joking there a little bit tongue in cheek, but you're exactly right. You can literally use that equity for anything that you want. But what we advocate is basically arbitraging and using that money to invest in an appreciating and more specifically, a cash flowing appreciating investment, because that's going to allow you to take that money. It's going to stay in your policy, providing the benefits that you have, but then you can also use that equity in another place and it's going to allow you to create value in that other place as well. Now, somebody might be listening in, Chris, and thinking, okay, I like this next level income approach, but I'm at maybe level one and this seems like level four or five approach to wealth building. Is this for the everyday person? Who is this best for? Can you know your person just getting started out investing in real estate or maybe has been investing for just a few years implement this concept in their own financial life, if you will? Yeah. So that's an excellent question. And we were talking about mindset before the show as well. I think the first thing you need to ask yourself is, do I want to invest like the poor in the middle class, like Robert Kiyosaki says, or invest like the rich and more specifically the ultra rich? So if you look at you know, funds, like if you look at you know, like Yale endowment funds, if you look at families that are worth 100 million, they have a lot of life insurance. It was actually, there were so many benefits. They had to change the laws back in the 80s because people were using them as tax shelters, but we still have tremendous benefits from there. The ultra rich invest in insurance. They also invest in real estate. So ask yourself, are you investing like the poor and the middle class or are you investing like the ultra rich? You have to start somewhere. So the thing is, you can start one of these policies with hundreds of dollars a month. You can start these policies with thousands of dollars a month. It just depends on where you are. And there's no rule that you can't have multiple policies. What we've done is we've actually customized our policies so we can put, you know, say $1,000 in a month or we can put $10,000 in a month. They're adjustable, which is really cool and what you can do. So you can adjust them for different periods of your life or you can build them so that you can grow into those policies over time. So, but I would say they aren't for everybody, Jacob. If you only make, say, a few thousand dollars a month, it might not make sense to get started there. And that's why I walk through the steps in my book. I talk about my three buckets. And you have to start with you know, covering your basic emergency fund first. I use my life insurance policies as our emergency fund, but you have to start there, have to have proper insurance. You know, then once that's going, and look, I didn't have this you know, when I was 20 years old. I built it up over time. But as the first bucket fills up, is why I call them buckets, it flows into the second and then the third. And ultimately, you have this opportunity fund that you can grow and dip into to invest in, you know, whatever your personal strategy suggests. Obviously, we're you and I are fans of cash flow real estate. For sure. I really like how you break that down into like levels, right? There's levels to everything, cycling, real estate investing, you know, yeah. building wealth, whatever it is. Now, there's no harm in, you know, being at level one and striving to be at level two, right? Or knowing level four yeah. and five exist. And you're just not quite there yet. But go ahead and progress, you know, make the most, you know, strive to that next level. I really like that kind of approach that you advise and implement in your own financial life. Yeah. No, it's exactly right. And I actually started 
coaching program here going into 2021 to help people walk through those steps. And you know, clients ask me, they're like, well, where do I start? And we talked about making more money, keeping more money, and growing your money. It just depends on where you are. If you're 23 years old, we may start with the making more money concept. You know, how do you maximize the amount of money you're making in your job? How do you start a side hustle? You know, but before we do that, we figure out like where do you want to take your life? And then let's structure your finances around that. So have your buckets ready because the last thing you want to do is turn that hose on, turn that faucet of cash on and not have it a bucket to put it in. Now it's just spilling out all over the ground, right? So that's why I talk about at least have the vision, structure where those buckets are going to be. And then when you're ready, you can implement those strategies. Let's talk about how you went from let's whatever you categorize level one to whatever you categorize level <laughs> two in your own life, Chris. How'd you make that step? Oh, I guess we'd have to you know kind of go back and figure out you know where that is. But I think I said let's start with step one. Step one is changing your mindset. It is deciding that yes, I am going to be financially independent and developing a path for that. Step two is starting to be really good at something, to earning more money. So that's why I talk about you know making more money. Like That is the most important thing. And what I tell my boys is find something not only that you're really good at and get as good as you can, but find something that you can help as many people as possible. The more people you help, if you're listening and you're young and you're trying to figure out what to do, find something that you can help the most people as possible. The next step in that is having a strategy to keep more of the money you make. If you have a W-2 job, and you don't have a tax strategist, if you're making six figures and you don't have somebody helping you with your tax plan, I guarantee you you're leaving money on the table. Now, some people say, oh, are you telling me I need to avoid taxes like Donald Trump and do this? Well, Donald Trump just followed the rules that the IRS put in place. And when I was still in college, I went to a seminar by a former IRS agent to learn the rules that the IRS wants you to follow so I could keep more of my money. The IRS wants you to invest and encourages people to put their money in certain places. And they encourage you to do that through lower tax rates. So there's nothing wrong with that. That's what the government wants you to do and the IRS wants you to do. And then step three is ultimately implementing that strategy. Maybe that's my three or four steps in, Jacob. Sure. But the last step, if you want to talk about really like going from you know one level to the second level, is when I was 38, about four years ago now, we reached financial independence. We were able to cover, you know, for a family of four a very comfortable lifestyle here in Asheville, North Carolina that allowed us true freedom. And really, I believe in my core that when you have true financial freedom, you are free to be the best person that you can be and you can have the maximum impact on the world. And you know, ultimately today, I feel like I'm starting to really come into that level fully you know, with the coaching program, help other people really achieve you know, their true potential in this world. That's one of the pinnacles of this show, Chris, the real estate way to wealth and freedom. Freedom being time freedom, financial freedom, you know, all the freedoms that you know anybody would want. That is really what it's about. It is. And your listeners are so fortunate to have you in the show, Jacob, because I love being on here today because it just helps the mission that you and I are in for and helping out people out there. Absolutely. Well, Chris, let's talk just a little bit briefly about why multifamily, you know, what drew you to that sector of real estate and how's it going? What are you doing there today? Yeah. So again, you know, I'll go back. I'm a numbers guy. Um, <laughs> I swung the hammer. I've torn the shingles off in the in the July sun. You know, in the humid, you know, hundred plus degree heat off the Chesapeake Bay. Growing up, I've dug ditches. You know, I've done tons of manual labor, and there's it's noble. It's noble work. It's good work. But today, 
I like to look at a spreadsheet more than swing a hammer. I'd rather swing a barbell in the gym and, and come home and look at my spreadsheet instead and figure that out. So multifamily for me is about the ability to have control. I have control over the markets I pick. So I can look at demographic data. I can look at jobs data. I can look at population growth in different areas. I actually just wrote an article that went up on our blog here. I'm not sure when this podcast is going to air, but you can check it out on our blog page. And it talks about geographic arbitrage. And this is going to apply to anybody, whether you're just starting out coming out of college and figuring out where the best place to move and have a job is, or if you're looking for a place to invest. Number one, you want to own where there's population and job growth. Multifamily, you can own from anywhere in the country, actually anywhere in the world, because you have on-site property manager. It's ultimately scalable. Number two, you have the ability to invest in new construction, value-add, or stabilized projects. You can invest in older projects or newer projects. Our sweet spot is in those projects that are about 20 years old that need a little bit of love, maybe five to $10,000 a door. I say it's not sexy. It's kind of like the Warren Buffett strategy of investing. And maybe you're listening and you think Warren Buffett is sexy. I think you need another show besides Jacobs, but we like stabilized cash flowing investments that we can then improve the value through operational improvements and also through some capital infusions. And then ultimately, it allows you to scale. So if you have a 100 unit multifamily building, and you've doubled the value of that property, you can take that property and you can roll it through a 1031 exchange or other different tax strategies into say a two or 300 unit building and continue that strategy. So whether you have a $10 million property or you're buying a $100 million portfolio, you can scale the strategy indefinitely. And again, I dive into all these things in my book. And like I said, if you missed that earlier, you can go to our website and get it by just clicking on the book link. Yeah, great. And just to confirm, that's nextlevelincome.com where you can go and download that free book, find the podcast, find the blog, great content there. I was surfing around this morning. So, well, Chris, hey, it's been a fun conversation. Let's wrap up with a lightning round, just a series of questions we end and fire at every one of our guests. Are you up for it? Bring it on, Jacob. All right. First question is, what was your biggest hurdle getting started investing in real estate? And then what'd you do to overcome that? Yeah. So I think like anything, when you're doing something that you're good at and then expanding and reaching into something that is out of your comfort zone is getting comfortable with that. So going from single family to multifamily and really going from an investor to a syndicator, what we did, my original partner and I, we found a mentor to help us along the way. There was a co-GP with us on the deal. And if you're listening, I'd say, don't be afraid to ask for help. Find somebody that's doing what you want to do and either ask them for help or find somebody that can help coach you into that next level. Yeah, definitely agree. Well, Chris, do you have a personal habit that contributes to your success? I think the number one thing that's contributed to my success is one, my... Actually, I'm going to give you two quick ones here. One is my... I just love to learn. I love to read. And just that habit of reading, you know, learning from other people. But my personal habit, you know, kind of internal habit is meditation. I've been meditating for over four years now. And the ability to reset my brain and to kind of prime myself, whether it's for learning or for enjoying time with my family and just allowing some space in my brain so that I can have a better life is, has become a tremendous skill. Is this guided meditation or using any kind of app that you like or any recommended resource there? I tried Headspace, but the British guy, his voice kind of drove me crazy. So I settled on an app called Calm because it tracks you every day. So it kind of encourages you if you've been off and I've come to the point where I can I don't need the guided portion, but if you're new to meditation, it's great because you can use a guided portion and then you can ultimately progress to just a self-guided meditation. Yeah, great. Two great apps. We'll uh, link those in the show notes. 
Chris, do you have an online resource you find valuable in your day-to-day? Ooh, I have a bunch of different websites that I go to. I'm trying to think if I had to pick just one out there. Give us I will a tell you, you like. Yeah, I will tell you that, you know, if you're trying to if you're early on trying to set yourself up for success, Early to Rise is one of those websites I started off reading and Craig Ballantyne has a great book called The Perfect Day Formula and now he's actually got one called The Perfect Week Formula. And if you look that up, if you look up the perfect day formula, perfect week formula, you can get his book for free, I believe. But Early to Rise was just great to help me think more like a rich person. Mark Ford, who started that, you know, talks about just a different way of investing that's non-mainstream. And it's still a tremendous resource if you're working on getting through that first step. Okay, great. Yeah, we'll link that in the show notes. Thanks for that. Well, I guess that leads into the next question quite well is what book would you recommend to the listeners and why? Well, I just gave one. But I've actually recommended this book to several people here over the last couple of weeks. And Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss, I think is really good. He's a former FBI negotiator. And if you're in real estate and you have to negotiate, he's got some great techniques in there to help you out. So if you're looking to buy or sell a property, I'd highly recommend Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Never Split the Difference by Chris Boss. That's a great book. I've listened to it on Audible several times. It's a good Audible listen if you'd like to do that as well. So yeah, definitely recommend it. We'll link that in the show notes. Chris, last question in the lightning round. If you are to go back and give advice to your 20-year-old self to get started investing in real estate, which you practically did, what would you tell 20-year-old Chris? Oh, I love that question. We use it on our show as well. What I would tell myself is one, go bigger. You know, Look at the commercial property. I had Ray Alcorn, who, and some people say, wrote the Bible on commercial real estate. But I would say, take Ray's advice, learn property management, partner up with somebody, and start to do those bigger deals earlier. Because, like anything, the time value of money, Jacob, you know, those little deals that I did, I would be probably 10 years ahead of where I am today. So that's my goal is to help people shortcut and not make the same mistakes I did. Even though I'm, I think we did great, I think we could have done even better. I love it. Well, Chris, you're obviously doing some really cool stuff at Next Level Income across the podcast, the blog, helping investors get started investing in real estate, teaching them about the next levels of income. So tell us about what you're doing there, where people can reach out to you and learn more. Yeah. Again, thanks for the opportunity, Jacob. I think you provide so much value to your audience. If you want to learn more, if you want to get our free book, check us out at nextlevelincome.com. If you want to learn about our new coaching program, send me an email, coach at nextlevelincome.com, coach at nextlevelincome.com. And you can learn more about that as well. Awesome, Chris. Thanks so much for that. It's been a fun conversation. As we're wrapping up here, is there any parting piece of advice that you'd like to leave with the audience members or maybe something I should have asked you that I didn't? I would say, you know, never stop learning. You know, learn as if you're going to live forever. And I hope you do, but live as if you're going to die tomorrow. I love it. Well, we'll mic drop with that, Chris. Hey, thanks so much for coming on the show. Let's get you back on in the near future and good luck with everything you're doing. Would love that, Jacob. Have a wonderful 2021, the best 2021 to everyone out there listening. Thanks, Chris. Take care. You've been listening to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast, providing you actionable content to build your real estate empire. Nothing on this show should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for personal advice. The opinions of guests are their own information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have a potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom LLC exclusively.